five of But You Don't Look Sick. So through the course of me sharing my diagnosis and just sharing treatments and everything on my blog and social media, I've been asked so many times, how do you stay positive? How are you joking about cancer? Um, And just how I've kind of kept my attitude and my life pretty lighthearted in the face of cancer. And I guess the best way to tell you that is to basically tell you that I don't take anything seriously. This is something that growing up got me in a lot of trouble because at school it just seemed like I didn't take anything seriously. It seemed like I didn't care about my grades. It seemed like I didn't care about doing the work, even though I was absorbing the information and I was do- I was doing what was needed of me. I didn't, the output was not the same. I didn't, it did, I didn't make it seem like I cared at all. The same went for, you know, dealing with my parents. If I were to get in trouble, I always just, I'm, I'm fueled by a lot of sarcasm. So it was always just one sarcastic comment after the other. I would always make a joke. I would always laugh even now. And Pierce, Pierce has gotten this trait from me and the poor thing. Um, even now, if I get into a confrontation, it doesn't even have to be like anything bad. And this probably hasn't happened for years, but Chris could probably tell you. Um, if I do get into a convert- confrontation, I end up laughing. <laughs> like I just end up laughing. I, it's, I don't know if it's just like a defense mechanism. I don't know. So growing up, that's how it was for me too. My parents would yell or they would scream and I would get defensive, but ultimately I would just start laughing. And so I've just always kind of dealt with everything in my life with humor. Um, so it does come off like I don't take anything seriously. I didn't know that that would be such a great trait going through cancer though. Um, maybe my entire life was preparing me for this diagnosis because I, I've been able to take everything with a grain of salt just going day to day. I've never really thought long-term or too much about the future, which has allowed me just to live in the moment. Um, So I would say like that was probably the first thing that I just went about handling this diagnosis was with humor. And that's just, that's just normal for me. The thing that was a challenge for me was getting into a positive mindset I am not inherently a positive person. I could probably go into a lengthy discussion, whether that's nature versus nurture on that one. Um, I'm just, I've always been like the glass is half empty, so doom and gloom, just, I always thought it was me just being real. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm just, I'm so real. I just tell it like it is. I'm just so honest. But really it was like, it was just being miserable. It was just projecting my negativity into every situation in my life. And that is what I did before I got cancer. I, I was happy. I was fun loving. Um, I was outgoing, but honestly, there was just a component of negativity that was attached to me. And it really didn't, I really didn't change until after I want to say my second round of chemo. The first couple rounds was really dark for me. I, you know, you're just going through so much mentally and physically. I've never been that sick in my entire life. I felt like I was losing my identity. 
not just because I was losing my hair and my eyebrows and my nose hair. I mean, just, just take a second and just be grateful for nose hair because those little things are amazing. Um, anyway, um, I just felt like I was losing me. I wasn't doing things that I wanted to do. Um, I couldn't do things. So those first two rounds were just really, really dark. And even though, you know, I had told you, my oncologist told me to stay in a good place, keep thinking positive thoughts, don't go to a dark place. It's, I didn't fall into a deep depression in those first two rounds, but I just, I just kept thinking like, poor me, why me? All of these things. And that's not the way that you should be thinking. It wasn't until probably after round two and getting to round three that I really started to change my mindset. And the way that I did that was I started to get rid of the things that were negative in my life. And that takes a certain type of strength to identify what is negative in your life and then also to want to change those things in your life. Um, So I started just kind of checking things off. I started getting rid of people in my life that were negative. I stopped surrounding myself with people that were negative I finally came to the realization, and it took cancer for me to realize this, that life is so short to spend time with people that drive you crazy or make you negative. You know, and and that comes down to even family members. And I know that's so hard to say because you, you want to love your family. You do love your family, but sometimes family can also breed negativity. I mean, we've all we've all been in that situation where it's like Thanksgiving or Christmas and you get overwhelmed because it's being around family. It's it's negative situations that can arise. It's negative conversations. I mean, this obviously doesn't go for everyone. I'm sure, you know, everyone gets overwhelmed with family and whatnot. And it doesn't mean that you just cut them out of your lives or anything like that. But for me, I was already going through a stressful time I was already consumed with stress and worry in my life that the last thing I needed was to add more stress from people around me. So I did, there was a point that I had to come to um, where I had to cut off family members. Um, And this was more of a self-preservation type of thing. I, I just knew that I didn't have the energy to defend myself or defend my treatments or defend the way that I was acting. Because to be completely honest, I didn't know how to act after round one and round two. I did, I still don't know how to act like with, with dealing with cancer. Um, nobody, and I think everybody thinks that they know how they would act, but you don't don't. I mean, that's the hardest thing is that unless you have gone through it, you don't know how you're going to act. You don't know what what these treatments are going to do to your mind. You don't know um, the anxiety that you're going to feel, whether that's just, just social anxiety, um, anxiety in your own home, anxiety with your diagnosis, just everything. So the fact that I had people around me telling me how to act or telling me, you know, what they would do or pushing certain types of treatments that they thought that I should be doing on me. I just felt like I was always defending my decisions and that brought me to a negative place. So I did, I did get to the point where I had to cut off a very close family member to me. And 
That was hard to accept in the beginning because it's obviously somebody that I'm very close to. But in the long run, that is what I needed to do. That's what I needed to get through cancer. That's what Chris needed. That's what my family needed in general was to be able to distance ourselves from this person and get through get through what we needed to get through. I mean, I can tell you that it all ends happily. <laughs> um, we have since reconciled, but the biggest thing that I have learned is how to identify my boundaries with people. And that doesn't just go with family. That goes with friends. That goes with fellow cancer patients. That goes with anybody that I meet, even just, even in my businesses now. I've learned how to establish boundaries and how to, how to stay within those boundaries. And so, you know, when I did come to a point where, and this was months and months and months later, and I had gone through treatment and I had gone through surgeries, when I did come to the point where I felt like I could reconcile with this family member, it was about establishing boundaries and knowing that there were certain things I wanted to talk about with this person. And there were certain things that I just couldn't talk about with this person anymore because I had to I had to stay in a happy place. Um, That goes with friends as well now. If I'm in a situation where something isn't making me happy or it's not something that, you know, I feel like is a good relationship in my life, I don't even engage. I know that some of this can just sound selfish, but it's not about that. It's not that I'm not there for other people when they're in a negative spot or anything like that. It's just that if I'm walking away from a situation overwhelmed or stressed or start to feel bad about myself, if I start to feel like I am constantly on the defense or I'm just filling my mind with negative thoughts, that's a situation that I don't want to be in. And cancer taught me that I don't have to be in those situations, even if it is somebody that I've just kind of been stringing along in my life for however long or because they're, they've are they been a family friend or whatever the case may be. You feel like you have to be a friend with this person because maybe it's your husband's friend's wife. Like any type of those situations, you feel like you're stuck in befriending somebody or even in, with family, being in that relationship because you've been in it for so long. But that is not that's not how it is. I finally realized that I don't have time enough on this earth to spend the time that I do have with people that don't make me feel good, that don't lift me up, that don't, um, you know, that don't believe in me, that don't support me, that don't love me. And that is, that's really hard, especially with the cancer diagnosis, because you want to believe that everyone that is around you is there for good reasons, but sometimes they're not. And that's hard. Um, and the other, I mean, the thing that I came to the realization, and this was all around about round three of chemo was that I couldn't force people around me to change even with a cancer diagnosis. I mean, everybody was yes, scared, but I couldn't force people to be there for me the way that I needed them to be there. I couldn't force people to change. I couldn't force people to realize what I had realized in life, just to be grateful, to be thankful, to, you know, to count all your blessings and to choose to be happy every day. These are things that I had learned in my life because of a cancer diagnosis. But for everybody else, I couldn't expect them to change the way that I was changing. And that's okay. That's where 
learning your boundaries and establishing boundaries comes into place. I learned that taking control of my own life and advocating for my own mental health is something that I should never feel bad for. And it's something that I work on every day because, you know, I do feel like I want to, I want to advocate for breast cancer and I want to help other cancer patients out and everybody deals with this disease in their own way. So I can't, I can't tell somebody just to be positive. They have to want to be positive. Um, I can't tell somebody that this is, this is what I did and that it'll work for you. I don't know if it will. So even when I am meeting other cancer patients or other breast cancer survivors, if they're in a negative place, as much as I want to help them out and I want to bring out positivity, I can't change their thinking. So I have to kind of distance myself from that person. As much as I don't want to do that because I feel like cancer can be such a lonely world to navigate. And so you want to bring people in that have similar situations, but if they're not in the same headspace as you are, you start to go down that wrong path. I mean, misery loves company. We've all heard that <laughs> that phrase before, but it really didn't hit home for me. And I really didn't understand what that meant until I started to be around people who, you know, maybe their outlook on life was not as great as my what mine was. And maybe that's just because they were just in a dark time or they were having a bad day. But those were the type of conversations and those were the type of relationships that I just couldn't engage in because I needed to be strong for myself. I needed to be strong for my kids. And that that started with being mentally strong. So I really did try and avoid negative situations, even when people on social media, and you would think that nobody would ever send negative messages. And I guess I shouldn't say that they were negative, but even when people would question the way that I was making jokes about cancer or anything like that, if that was somebody who, you know, they just didn't get it or they didn't deal with cancer that way. And I'm, I'm sorry that they would feel the need to, you know, send me a message saying that, it seems like I don't take cancer seriously or how can I make jokes about this? You know, they've gone through this and they don't think it's very funny to each their own, you know, like that's the one thing about social media. There's so much good that can come from it. And we all know this, there's so much good that can come from it, but there's also so much bad that can come from it. So, you know, you have to kind of pick and choose the conversations that you get into, the people that you follow, all of that kind of stuff. Anything that is making you feel bad, just remove yourself from that situation. So when I got comments like that, I would just happily say, you know, I'm so sorry that you're going through this or that you have gone through this. Um, this is the way that I deal with it. I deal with things with humor and, you know, I mean, no offense to anybody, but that is how I've always dealt with things. So, you know, it can just be, it can be so hard to feel lonely in this space. But what I found is that when you do start to create those boundaries and it doesn't have to be cancer, this can be anything. Um, you know, this can just be like the mom group that you hang out with. If you, if you go to that mom group and you leave every day feeling like you just are so overwhelmed with being a mom or, you know, that that you feel bad about certain choices that you're making as a mom and somebody else is doing this or that you feel like you 
there's pressure being put on you to do certain things in your parenting style. That's not a group of people that you want to be in. So remove yourself and find people who make you feel positive. And that's what I had to do. I kind of had to rid a lot of relationships that I had before my diagnosis. I I kind of had to get rid of them because I had to understand why people were even still in my life. Were they there because of cancer? I started to find that people started to use my cancer diagnosis somehow in their life. Like, oh, my friend Kelsey has cancer and you know, they would start to use it in in their conversation, but they weren't ever checking on me. They were just talking about me, my diagnosis, but they weren't talking to me. So those were the types of people that I was like, why? Why am I why do I have you in my life? Or why is this a relationship that I feel like I need? I didn't. So those are the types of people that I just started to kind of let fall by the wayside. Um and that's hard because you you want people around you, but as you get older, and I'm sure many of you feel this way, it really is about the quality of people that you surround yourself with, not the quantity of people you surround yourself with. So I was really starting to learn how to gauge quality relationships in my life. And that really did start with ridding the negative people out of my life because then I started to change my mindset. I started to become more positive. I felt like there was a weight list lifted off my shoulders when I wasn't having negative conversations all the time. I was only having positive conversations. I was only, you know, surrounding myself with positive people, whether they had cancer or not. A lot of times I wanted to be around people that obviously didn't have cancer so that I could think about something other than cancer. I could talk about something other than cancer. So I started to really find people that, you know, I felt good being around and I felt like I could be myself and I felt like the conversation didn't always turn to bad things. I also started as, you know, we've mentioned, Chris and I mentioned before and, um, I started reading different things. I started to read more, not, I guess it's not really like self-help, but just read more positive affirmations. I started to, I, I filled out a gratitude book. That was something that I tried to do every single morning and every single night was just to name three to five things that I was grateful for in that day. And they could be just something so simple. Like I didn't have to, you know, stop on the side of the road and run into a gas station because I had diarrhea today. That's a win. I'm grateful for that. Um, You know, I'm grateful that I was able to pick up the kids from school today. Uh, I'm grateful that I was able to stand and cook dinner long enough to feed my family a proper meal. Just small little things every day. And you will gradually start to see your entire mindset change. You will start to see that you you're more positive and that you're putting positivity out there and you're not thinking of negative and you're starting to receive positivity back. And then you'll also start to see your relationships with people change. Um, that was something that I really, I love to see when I, when I wasn't engaging in negative conversations, I started to see how happy and fulfilled my days were. I also stopped reading the news I know this sounds crazy, not that I'm not informed or that I don't want to be caught up with the news, but if you 
are somebody who reads the news every single day, you are constantly bombarded with negative content. You're, I mean, if you read the news, if you go onto any news app or turn on the TV right now or go online, I mean, there's probably the first 10 stories that you see are negative. That just puts you in a negative headspace. You start to think about the world as such a bad place and you start to just get angry. And that's the way that you're living your life day to day. And that is how I lived my life. I was constantly checking the news because I thought that I needed to keep up on it. I thought that I needed to be in the know so that when I did have conversations, I was able to know what's going on in the world. But that's not necessarily always the case. Now I probably check the news, I don't know, once a week. Um, I try and stay away from all of that on Facebook. I start, I, I just really started to watch what I was engaging in as far as the content that I was taking in. I also stopped watching a bu- reality TV. Um, I know it's like a guilty pleasure for everyone and it definitely was a guilty pleasure for me. I watched all of the housewife shows. I mean, any type of reality show, Chris would make fun of me all the time because I would watch any of it just to absorb it. But if you look on there, the entire premise of most reality TV shows is to spin somebody in a negative light. They like to create drama. That's how you get ratings. I mean, and that's how that's how the news gets ratings. That's how magazines, tabloids sell magazines. It's all about creating drama. And so I really, I just cut it off. We, I, we actually got rid of TV and then we just had, you know, like Netflix and stuff. But before that we used to have cable and I used to just watch reality TV. And I felt like that was, oh, my guilty pleasure. It's something that I do for me. Just let me sit here with a glass of wine and watch some trashy TV. But really, I wasn't ever walking away from those TV shows happy. I was just kind of feeling like, oh, well, you know, look at all these people with all this money and their lives are fucked up. So it's okay that my life is fucked up. Like, no, who wants to walk around and think that? If you're somebody that can separate the two, you know, good for you. But I was just kind of like, why am I watching this? Why am I spending, you know, hours of my life engaging in people screaming and yelling at each other? Like I could just scream and yell in my own house. I don't really need to watch other people scream and yell. Um, Let me just tell you that everyone's life is fucked up. If you don't know that by now, I, I mean, I don't even, I don't know what to tell you. Social media does such a great job of showing everything in such a in, in such a positive way in such a perfect way and it it breeds comparison and you know that's where you that's where establishing boundaries really does come into play i remember i went through my social media and i just started unfollowing and deleting people that i could care less about seeing in my feed they weren't serving any purpose to me they weren't serving any purpose to inspiration um I felt like, I don't know, you know, I had just been following this person and they follow me, so I guess I should just keep following them. No, I just started getting rid of the people that I followed. I really started to find breast cancer patients, breast cancer survivors, breast cancer fighters, um, or just cancer in general. People talking about, you know, uplifting things and that could relate to my situation. And I started to find that there were so many women out there that had the same mindset of me about, you know, on your dark days, you still talk about them, even on social media. It doesn't have to be this place where we only come on here and 
we only talk about the great things or the lighthearted things. Um, I really started to find women who were real about their struggles and, but it always ended on a positive note. It was like, yes, I'm having a bad day, but you know what? I'm grateful for these things and tomorrow's going to be better. So I really started to change what I was reading, what I was seeing, what I was watching. And that, that lift, it felt like a weight lifted as well. Like I was all of a sudden in such a better light. I was, you know, so much, so much more positive in general. I started to realize that cancer didn't have to be this sad thing, even though it is sad and it's scary. And I'm not trying to take away from any of those feelings that other people have if they're being diagnosed or if they're going through this or how a family member would feel or anything like that. I just started to realize that I was 30 years old. I had four beautiful children. I had a wonderful husband, but yes, I had cancer. Cancer was the small component of that, that all of these things were still wonderful things in my life and that all of these things were in my life before cancer, but I took them for granted. I, you know, I just kept thinking about, you know, oh, I feel like my life is like Groundhog's Day. I get up, I do the same thing with the kids every day. I still was surrounded by negative people. I was surrounded by other moms who didn't like being stay-at-home moms. And so I just felt bad about my situation and in my life. But my life didn't change. The only thing that changed was cancer. But cancer is what changed me. So it's kind of like, I know that I'm so stubborn. I know that I am so headstrong that it took something like cancer to wake my ass up. And not that I think everybody needs cancer. I think that we can learn from other people's situations. And I hope that, you know, this podcast serves as a way to let people know about all of the good in their life. They don't have to go through a cancer diagnosis in order to become a positive and happy and more fulfilled human being. Um, But I needed that. Somehow, some way, I needed to get diagnosed in order to change and to do all of the things that I'm doing now because... Before cancer, I made excuses as to why I couldn't do things. Oh, but I'm a stay-at-home mom, and that's the hardest thing. And it is hard. It's, it's one of the hardest things I think anybody can do. It's a selfless job. You don't get thanked at the end of the day. You sure as hell don't get paid. Um, so, it, I mean, it's a hard thing to do day in and day out and find inspiration in it and find yourself in it. So I always make excuses as to why I wasn't doing things, why, you know, I wasn't working on things I wanted to work on, or I had all of these grand dreams and I would always say, oh, I'll get to them when Chris retires. You know, my biggest thing is to be a mom and Chris's biggest thing is to be in the army and get to that 20 years that he's been working for. But we were both selling ourselves pretty short with that thinking. And it took cancer to make me realize that, you know, I I only have this one life. Um, I need to stop being negative and I need to start thinking about what I want to do with this second chance at life. Do I want to just go back to being the human being that I was? Um, No, I knew that answer was no. (laughs) Um, So I just started changing the things that I could change. Started with my mindset, started getting rid of toxic people started changing the way that I engaged in social media, the way that I 
um, you know, spent my free time. And I really started to think about what I wanted to do. What are the types of things that make me happy? And I started to come up with a plan for those things. Like, how was I going to achieve these things? I started to say them out loud and I started to say them to other people. And that's the other thing you can gauge relationships based off of is if you start to say what your dreams are, or if you start to come out with crazy ideas and say, you know, I'm going to do this, or I'm going to do that. And people look at you like you're crazy, or they start to bring doubt to what you want to do. Don't be around those people. Don't, that's not somebody you want to surround yourself with. I started surrounding myself with people when I said, you know, I don't care that I still have one more, you know, round of chemo. I think I'm going to start a styling business. And for, I, I started to see people around me that said, yes, go for it. Yes, of course. That makes so much sense. Those are the people that I needed to surround myself with. People that said, well, you know, but you're not done with treatment or you're not done with cancer. Don't you think that's a little bit too much to take on right now? And even if it was, that's not what I needed to hear. I needed to stay positive and I needed to keep moving forward. So that is kind of how I started to deal with things there on out, you know, Round three was a real big turning point for me, even though everything got harder after that. I started to get sicker. We had no help after round three up until like my bilateral mastectomy. My dad came out, you know, for surgery to kind of help us juggle the kids. But I still had three more rounds of chemo and we didn't have any help and it got worse. I got the drugs started to compound. I was hospitalized. I had horrible reactions to drugs that were supposed to boost my white blood count. I was, you know, there were so many emergency room visits in the middle of the night and things did start to go darker. And I felt like at that point I was really being tested. How much positivity was I really putting out there how much positivity was I did I really have in my mindset but I had to every day choose joy and I had to every day choose to be happy and that's the difference um you can control your happiness even though people say no it's not you know more money is going to make me happy not having cancer is going to make me happy but those things aren't necessarily going to make you happy if you can't be happy right now So choosing to be happy, even in your darkest time, is what will change your future. Also around round three, or maybe it was round four after I was hospitalized, um, I went in for a treatment and I came out. Chris had brought all of the kids to come see me. And I talk about this interaction um, on my blog as well because it's something that has stuck with me and it's something that has stuck with Chris. Um, I went in for treatment and I came out and everybody, my kids were there to greet me and Chris pulled the car up and I was about to get in the car and a man stopped me and he said, you are such a beauty. Cancer looks good on you. And he smiled really big and he walked up to me and he said, can we pray? And I said, of course, you know, of course we can. And, you know, the kids were looking at me like, what is happening? You know, who is this man? Do you know this person? Um, And so we did, we prayed. And then he said, don't ever lose that smile. And, you know, I looked at him and he was just so sincere. And he said, I have stage four brain cancer and treatments are no longer working for me. I've been in treatment for years. 
Um, and it's just taken a toll on my body and I've just decided to not put myself through anymore. Um, and he, but I mean, he was standing there in his presence. He was just, I mean, he grabbed my hands and, you know, I was trying not to get emotional in that moment because I know, like I could feel how much he had been through, but this man looked so happy. Um, you know, he said, I'm the happiest I've ever been just living every day to its fullest and being grateful for the life that I've been given. And we were standing there and I started to get tears in my eyes. Um, and he came closer to me and he kissed me on the cheek and he said, you will beat this. I can just tell, I can tell that this has changed you because I can see it in your eyes. And Chris was even standing there just amazed. Um, I never saw this man again. Um, I wanted to, I wish that I would have known his name. I wish that in that moment I would have stopped to ask, you know, what his name was. Um, but I didn't. And every single time I go to the cancer center and every, ever since that day, I walk up and I'm hoping that he's going to be there. I'm hoping that I'm going to see him sitting on that bench and I'm just going to be able to thank him for, for those words, for that interaction, for something that has changed my life completely. And I thought, you know, when we got in the car, of course, my kids were like, mom, that man kissed you. How could you let him kiss you? He's a stranger. Um, but that interaction has stayed with me. And it's something that I think about constantly because here is a man who knew he was going to die. Here's a man who knew that his body was filled with cancer, that treatment, he had done everything. He had been through surgery and radiation and chemo and continual chemo and all different kinds of drugs. And he had done everything medically that he could to get rid of cancer. But even though he knew that this was going to take him, he chose to be happy. He was the, he was the happiest man sitting out there greeting every single patient that came in. Um, he chose to live every single day to its fullest until his last days. And I hope, I hope so much that he is still walking into that cancer center. I hope that he is stopping everyone and changing their life the way that he changed my life because those are the type of people that you have to surround yourself with. And it takes those kinds of interactions to really be so grateful and to think that the things that you complain about are so petty the things that you get angry about are nothing to be angry about. Um, cancer really does humble you, but it doesn't take cancer to have to humble you. Um, it takes you. It takes you wanting to change. It takes you to want to take control of your life and just to say, I'm going to be happy. Um, but it's something you have to work at every single day. It's something that I still have to work at every day because I tell you right now, I've been knocked down so many fucking times during this cancer journey. I thought, you know, even when you think everything's going right, something comes up and you get knocked back down. There were so many times I thought after each treatment, I was on the up and up, but then I would go and my white blood count would be tested and it would be so low. And they would say, you know, we have to give you a shot of this or we really should keep you overnight in the hospital or we need to give, I mean, there were so many times I just thought, no, I'm feeling great, but I would just get knocked back down. Um, or there would be tests that would come back concerning or this and that. But, and so it, it took me absorbing that. It took me, sometimes I would have to have a scream session in the shower where 
you know, I would just have to cuss out my left boob and say, you know, like, what the fuck did I do to you for you, for you to turn on me like this, for you to try and kill me. Um, and I, but that's okay. Sometimes you need to get those things out. Even if it's just screaming into a pillow, get it out and then come back, come back to the positivity, come back to choosing to be happy, come back to choosing to be positive. And, you know, you really have to just advocate as much as I've told you guys to advocate for your physical health. You sometimes you just have to advocate for your mental health and you have to say, I'm no longer going to put myself in situations that don't make me happy. I'm no longer going to surround myself with people that don't make me happy. And it's okay to be in a situation or a conversation or be out and about with your friends and for the conversation to start to turn negative. And if you start to feel overwhelmed, it's okay to remove yourself. You don't have to feel bad for it. You don't have to make excuses about it. You can just politely say, you know, I can't mentally bring myself to this level right now. So I'm just going to walk away. And it's not that you're not being a good friend. It's not that you're not trying to be helpful. But when you're in a bad situation, like I was or am with cancer sometimes, sometimes I can't be around people who just want to sit and complain when they're not willing to do anything. Because that's how I was. I made excuses. All I did was complain. But I did nothing to change my situation. Now I'm aware of that. I recognize that, that that's one of my character traits. Um, And I have to work at being better about that. So if I'm ever in a situation and it starts to go negative, I get out. It's like a fight or flight type (laughs) type of thing. I just get out of the situation because I know that for me, I have to choose every single day to be happy. And I have to choose the relationships that I want to be in. And those also need to be happy relationships. To kind of round this all out, I'm definitely not saying not to be in tune with your emotions. There there are days where you can feel sad. There are days where you can feel the stress and the weight of your life um, and have those days, you know, because it only makes the happy days even better. But don't stay in those days. Just because you get knocked down doesn't mean you have to choose to stay down. You can choose to get back up. And so it is about being mindful. Mindfulness is a huge thing that I had to practice was, you know, saying it's okay to have a sad day. It's okay that I'm going through cancer. It's okay to be angry and frustrated and scared. Um, And to take those days, identify those days, but then come back and choose to be happy the next day. So things that, you know, I hope that you can take away from this, um, is that, you know, you have to just try, just try something every day. Um, and that can be just, I know that meditation works for many people. There are meditation apps that you can do. Start your mornings off with just five minutes of gratitude. Just sit and make a list of three to five things that you are grateful for just from waking up, whether you're just grateful to, you know, that you're, you can smell your coffee brewing in the kitchen, just take a couple minutes, say it out loud, write it down, do something to identify the things that you're grateful for. That's just going to put you in such a happier and positive mindset for the day. I know that, you know, a lot of people talk about self-care. Um, I, 
I don't necessarily think it's self-care that everybody needs to practice. I think everybody needs to practice a little bit more self-love, but you need to understand that self-love is a process. Um, and so start doing things that, that, that make you want to love yourself, whether that's learning a new language, like continuing your education, going to getting a gym membership, starting a new, um, a new workout group, whatever it is that brings happiness and meaning and love to your life, start to do those things. And you are then choosing to be happy. Um, don't feel bad about them. Don't feel guilty about them. Start to do things that make you love yourself just a little bit more. And as the days go on and as the weeks and months go on, you'll start to realize that self-love and happiness, they're easy things and that everybody should be able to enjoy them. So when it comes to my cancer and when it comes to my cancer journey and going forward, it's not that I've had it easier than anybody else. I recognize that there are so many women who are dealing with a diagnosis far worse than mine, who are in life situations far worse than mine and still going through cancer. It's about practicing gratitude. It's about choosing to live my life the way that I want to live it um, because I've been given a second chance to do good to be better. Um, I don't want to go back to the person that I was before cancer. I am, I don't really know that person anymore. I don't understand how I even got through 30 years of life being that person. Um, so I don't want to go back. I'm, I am happy that cancer has changed me and I hope that the further and further out that I get from a cancer diagnosis, I never want to forget these feelings that these feelings of just sheer happiness, these feelings of sheer thankfulness and gratitude. Um, I'm hoping that every time I look in the mirror and I see my scars across my chest, that they remind me of what I went through. And I'm hoping that, that those are a constant reminder to me to be humble and to be grateful and to give back the positivity that I hope to receive. Um, so that, <laughs> that's pretty much the long-winded answer of how I have stayed in a positive mindset throughout cancer and how I work at it every single day and how I am going to choose to be happy as the days go forward. Mm-hmm.